Heather Odendahl is the CEO and co-founder of W North, an organization that connects and offers development opportunities for mid-management women with an upward career trajectory. Heather started W North in 2015 after unsuccessfully seeking out a conference where she could network with like-minded women. When I couldn't find it, and I did try, and I even applied for a couple of um, conferences that I thought were a good fit and didn't get in, I realized that I needed to do something about it, and I took my event, my event production experience, and um, started the W North conference, which was our first. Heather says W North's membership grew enormously during the pandemic, as women sought a community more than ever. Women were adversely affected by the pandemic, with many leaving the workforce to care for their children. And Heather says some are having difficulty returning. The jobs that are available are still just 40 to seemingly 50 hours a week. And, you know, there is nothing really in between. And so we see a lot of women leaving for entrepreneurship because it provides more flexibility. And corporations are going to lose out if they don't change what what type of opportunities are available. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Heather Odendahl tells us that flexible opportunities could include a hybrid model, job sharing, or as in the case of W North, a four-day work week. How great would it be if we moved to a model where meetings were only allowed, you know, Monday through Wednesday, and you got Thursday to actually do the work. So I I think that's something that I have implemented and has been uh, successful in in making sure that we get through all the tasks in four days. Heather says even the scheduling of meetings needs to be under review by corporations to ensure accessibility for all, including women. When they're not, when they're in a senior level position and a meeting is scheduled when they're supposed to be picking up their kids from school, and they simply cannot attend. We need to be putting the onus on the corporations and the managers or the senior management as to when are we scheduling these? Are we being inclusive um, of all of the people who need to be at that meeting? And Heather has some great advice for would-be entrepreneurs. Work for someone else first before launching your own business. There's a lot of dreaminess around becoming an entrepreneur. Um, but it's not for everybody, and I think it's also important to understand the operations from a successful entrepreneur's perspective. And I, I, I worked for a couple of entrepreneurs before I started my business, and it was fundamental in setting myself up for success. The CEO of W North, Heather Odendahl, on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. can't believe we're all ready to kick off season four of Run It Like a Girl. It's been like an incredible three years and season four is going to be no different. I am just so excited today to have the chance to chat with Heather Odendahl, who is the CEO and co-founder of W North, a speaker and a virtual event producer. Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Bonnie. It's a pleasure to be here. I can't wait to have the conversation. Oh, me neither. I'm really excited because I, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while and and seeing some of the great things that you've been producing. And um, I, my previous employer, who was PwC, are involved with W North, and I'd see things through that. And I just always wanted the chance to to meet and chat with you. So I'm I'm just thrilled. So we'll just, you know, I think we'll jump right in. Um, let's just start. Tell us a bit about your 
uh, background and your early career. Yeah, so I, I'm originally from Ontario, and I made the big move out west to go to university um, with an intention of returning. Um, but actually, right out of university, I got recruited to come to Whistler. And I was uh, recruited into uh, IntraWest, which at the time was the resort partner and, and operator for Whistler Blackcomb, the ski resort here. And that I launched into a career in events, events, sponsorship, and brand activation. So for the first few years of my career, was really focused around those those areas and in 2010 after a contract related to the Olympics um, when I couldn't find a job at the time I started my own business so my, my business is Bluebird Strategy I often call myself the accidental entrepreneur because I probably hired, applied for several you know about a hundred jobs <laughs> that year and started getting contract work so uh, that was my forlay into starting my business. While, but while a couple years into that, I actually got a job offer and started a sales career for a Fortune 500 uh, beverage alcohol company, uh, which is kind of what leads me to um, the, the story that that started me on my current trajectory. So I'd love to ask because we're gonna we're I'm gonna add, ask you about W North in a second, but just hearing you chat there made me uh, kind of. Think about something. So you were looking for a job. You were having several interviews and nothing was pending. How did you keep yourself motivated? How did you bring the resilience? And then making that decision to just go out on your own and do your own thing. That's a huge decision and a real difference than having a, a corporation that, you know, gives a paycheck every single two weeks and has, you know, HR policies and all of the things that go along with working for an organization. So how did you get to that point where you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going out on my own? So, I mean, reluctantly, to be honest, I, I think I initially was very married to the idea of working for somebody else and um, collecting that paycheck and having that stability. Um, I took several jobs, uh, kind of shorter term contract roles, uh, just before I started my business um, for large corporations that um, I really I felt these are not for me. I'm just taking whatever I can get. And so that uh, that feeling, I mean, I kind of feeling a little bit of rejection um, after applying. And I'm, I, I like to take, I'm pretty serious about whatever I do. So that's why if somebody would apply for 10 jobs, I'd probably apply for 50. But it was also a little bit um, demoralizing or, uh, you know, it affected my, um, my, my general mental health. And so I needed to turn that around into something positive. And, um, I was in, in particular in a, in an industry that in Vancouver was very, very populated after the Olympics. So <laughs> events, sponsorship, marketing, all related to sporting events. That was my background, but I was also competing with, you know, hundreds of people from all over the world that had worked for Vancouver 2010 competing for those jobs. So, it moved me into, okay, well, a few contracts came along and I just, I just leapfrogged from those opportunities. Awesome. That's great. And I like, I guess a lot of it, you have to be kind of open to opportunity and willing to, uh, to kind of see the opportunities that are presented to you in action on them. Um, 
And and so that does lead us to, so tell us about W North. So that's, you're the CEO, you're the co-founder of this organization. What do you do and, 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 and why? Why did you go down that path? Yeah, so when I, uh, when I started my new sort of career into sales, I, I started my company and then I kind of put it on the back burner a little bit. Um, I started in, uh, into this organization, which was a large American-owned organization with very few women in the top three layers of leadership in the company. And I, I was really looking for some development opportunities, um, at, you know, maybe an internal women's network that I saw in maybe some other larger companies and maybe slightly more progressive companies. And my organization just simply did not have something that supported. They tend to support, they tended to support some very senior level women, uh, but I was in mid-management and that was just not a focus. So I went looking for a conference. Uh, I was searching kind of over the US and Canada um, where I could go meet other like-minded, ambitious women in, in kind of middle management, but high potential for senior positions. And I, when I couldn't find it, and I did try, and I even applied for a couple of um, conferences that I thought were a good fit and didn't get in, I realized that I needed to do something about it. And I took my event, my event production experience and um, started the W North Conference, which was our first event in 2015. Wow. Wow. Um, and so I'd love to chat for a minute about this idea around middle management. When women kind of reach the mid-level of their career, they have several years behind them, but a lot more in front of them. Um, you know, there's a couple things there. One, that's usually around the time, if you're if you're starting to think about children, it's around the time that you reach middle management. Um, and two, just the uh, coming out of the workforce, if you do have children and coming back in. So why... Um, what were your experiences in that? Was it just you just couldn't find what you were looking for at that level in your career and figured other people must not be able to find that either? Because it seems to be that's where women start uh, falling further behind in terms of their growth. Yeah, it, it's definitely a combination of factors. When I started Debbie North, I didn't have children myself, but I was, uh, you know, I, I have a degree in sociology and as much as you know, my husband and, or sometimes my family members tell me that, you know, it's maybe not what I'm using right now. I actually do think, you know, I, I noticed a lot of these external pulls and these factors that were removing women from the workforce. And also, you know, not having, if you were in a male-dominated sector and you didn't necessarily have the community of women to keep you in the game then you were, losing, you were losing some motivation or ambition. So that, you know, that was definitely a factor in pushing me. And on the note of you know, the women leaving the workforce and these also coming back in, uh, I now have two children, so I have a two-and-a-half-year-old and a five-and-a-half-year-old. And, a five and, a half year old. and you know, the, the last few years has been tough. I mean, it's been tough from a pandemic perspective, it's been tough from running an events business perspective, and it's also been tough from a, you know, having small children uh, perspective. So it, my knowledge on the subject has definitely evolved, and it is a key narrative that we are discussing right now because women 
with children were so adversely affected by the pandemic. Absolutely. And I actually have another question I want to ask you about W North, but but first I want to talk a little bit more if it's okay about, about the pandemic and um, women leaving their careers to be with their kids. Cause oftentimes um, you know, it is that the female in the relationship might make less money. So it makes sense for her to be the one that has to give up her career um, or the burden, even if they're both working, it just typically seems unweighted. I'm, I'm in a unique situation where I think my husband actually took the, br- the, the major brunt from having our children home all the time. But I joke with him that that's his fault because I chose an office setting for my office and he chose the living room. Um, so he's right in the middle. But um, but what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, I've read things as much as, you know, put us back 50 years in terms of, of equality in the workforce. Um, so I'd love to just hear your thoughts on this and what you think needs to be done to start turning this, things back as we're reopening. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the statistics are pretty shocking. Um, there were an enormous amount of women who did leave the workforce. I do believe that now is a fundamental time where we can actually affect some real change and, you know, counteract some of those numbers if, if, it, if it's done right, if the coming back to work is done right, if the uh, remote working scenarios are done right, the hybrid work scenarios. So, you know, a lot of the women, and we do have quite a few women in our community that were case in point, that example of they have two working parents, there's two working parents, one of them made more money than the other, and the and one had to leave the workforce, and oftentimes it was the woman. But there are many of these women that are trying to re-enter the workforce right now. Um, but the fundamental issue right now is, and I've seen it um, in working with some of our um, some of our members on getting the job, is that the jobs that are available are still just forty to seemingly fifty hours a week. And, you know, there is nothing really in between. And so we see a lot of women leaving for entrepreneurship because it provides more flexibility. And corporations are going to lose out if they don't change what what type of opportunities are available. So I talk a lot about, um, just as an example, role sharing. So, you know, part-time work sometimes isn't as favorable for corporate um, because they still need to meet metrics, they still have targets to meet, there's there's challenges with that. But a role share, and it's a growing trend in the UK, is you know the scenario where you do have to pony up a little bit more salary because you usually pay for six days, but you have two individuals that cross over midweek and share a role. Hmm. Um, that's the type of opportunity. As these women have exited the workforce, coming back... You know, we still have limited child care options both in the Canada, in Canada and the U.S. Um, there are still external pulls that um, keep us uh, from maybe being able to commit to a 40-hour um, work week. And um, I think looking at new ways of work and actually uh, these hybrid models or these hybrid jobs is going to be a way that we can counteract that and actually move towards gender equity and leadership. 
Uh, I think that's a great point. I also think, you know, the amount of, of resources, time, effort, and money it actually costs a corporation when they lose someone um, would probably, you know, it, it wouldn't be that big of a difference to pay, pay for six days worth of work instead of five. And also, just in the situation we're in, we don't know when someone's going to have to come home again and, and be with their kids or have more flexibility. So if organi- organizations are just going to have to be able to figure out how to provide a better flexible environment for their um, their people if they want to retain excellent staff. Um, and I'm sure, as you know, you know, they talk about, and I think you talk about it in a Forbes article you wrote, the Great Re- Recession, right? Of people leaving their jobs and, and going because... Re- resignation. Resignation. Did I say recession? Yeah. I did, didn't I? Yep. <laughs> well, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um. <laughs> yeah, the Great Resignation. And the thing is, uh, you know, there is... There is a, there's a bit of a misconception out there, I think, with working parents or working mothers that they that they wanted to leave the workforce. Like many of the people that I speak to did not want to. One of the main reasons that they, they left the workforce was in some cases they were being left out of important conversations. So as senior level women, they were not, their meetings were being scheduled at a time where they could not attend. And these are... These are more uh, limiting than people really understand. When they're not, when they're in a senior level position and a meeting is scheduled when they're supposed to be picking up their kids from school and they simply cannot attend, we need to be putting the onus on the corporations and the managers or the senior management as to when are we scheduling these? Are we being inclusive um, of all of the people who need to be at that meeting? Because I think we're doing ourselves a disservice if we're saying, um, oh, Sally can't make this meeting because she's got to pick up her kids. And then Sally doesn't get to be in that meeting and make Mm -hmm. the decisions and feel empowered in her senior role. Um, So I think that's a narrative that I'd love to hear, you know, more corporations taking on is making those meeting times. I think that's 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 another uh, great point. So um, going back a little bit. So where do you see W North's place? in this whole conversation and what are your plans there? Yeah. So the, the evolution from the conference, uh, we did, we do the conference annually in Whistler when it's safe to do so. And in 2018, many of those women, it was the fourth year of the conference. Women were coming all from all over North America to attend the conference and women kind of reached out and said, you know, I love this community that you've built, but we only meet once a year. I'd love to, you know, have more of a community around. So in 2018 is when we actually launched a membership model and that really um, grew uh, enormously in the pandemic year because as it turns out, women were seeking Hmm. online community more than ever. Um, So we actually have, and we're starting to emerge back into our chapter cities. So we're going to have 10 chapter cities um, coming up in 2022 we host about 50 um, online events per year, many of which are, are within our membership. We run leadership masterminds, which are group coaching scenarios with five members and an executive coach and uh, a number of other like workshops and uh, online networking events to bring these like-minded, ambitious women leaders together. And I think one of the most powerful things that we do are things like our Leadership Mastermind program, 
where we can dissect, you know, some of the challenges that women are going through. And executive coaching is an amazing resource, but not everybody has the corporate budgets to support it. And so we've made the executive coaching more accessible through our membership model. And that, that way, they stay motivated, they stay inspired, they're connecting with women inside and outside of their industry. And um, my hope is uh, to, we're hoping to triple the size of the membership in the next year, and uh, we're launching in four new cities. Four new cities? What cities? Going to oh, ah, okay. So stay tuned to find out that. And your organization, uh, W North, is that a Canadian organization, a global organization? Can anyone, like, how, what, is the, what are the requirements for someone to actually get involved with W North? For sure. So we are a Canadian corporation, but we have members from all over the world. Uh, many of our events are hosted in um, PST, EST. So North America is a natural um, hub where we have quite a few of our chapter cities currently, um, but we have a growing membership in the UK, oh. and uh, and members really are welcome to join from all over. Uh, we have about sixty workshops that are um, inside of our membership for replay, and a ton of resources as well. Excellent, that's awesome. And you can go to the show notes if you want to find more about out about W North. We'll have the links in there as well as a link to. Uh, uh, to your article in Forbes, because I think that uh, it was a really outstanding article and a lot of people could uh, could learn something from, from reading it. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. So now uh, I want to ask you just about your own personal leadership kind of qualities or, or, you know, what do you think makes a good leader and how do you try to incorporate that into how you lead? Well, it's a great question. So there was... Uh... There was a post on LinkedIn, and it's not my original. It's not my original post, but I think it's uh, really interesting. I, actually, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll share it. Um, I reshared Absolutely. it from uh, a, an author named Bridget um, Heikip, and uh, it says this: I don't care if you come into the office at 10 a.m. I don't care if you choose to work from home or not. I don't care if you work from the garage while you fix your car. I, we hired you to do a job, and I trust you to get it done. Just let me know what you need from me to be successful in your role, and I will show up for you. Life happens. You, need, you don't need to justify to me why you need a day off. You don't need to explain to me how sick your child is, and you need to leave early. You don't need to apologize for having a personal life. Yes, I care about results, but I also care about you. We are all human and we are all adults. I lead people and don't run an adult daycare center. <laughs> so, so I think, you know, that really, to me, sums up the way that I like to lead. Um, I have, uh, we have a four-day work week here at um, our organization. And, you know, some of my employees will just work four days. Some will work five days. And, um... And it's like a 32-hour work week, and it's and they spread it out over, and mm. they'll have shorter days. So for me, it's about um, coming to the table with uh, something that works for them and also acknowledging as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, there's still results and there's still things that we need to accomplish in, um, at the standard week. Uh, but trust is a huge thing for me is, is I trust you to do 
you know, and to run your business like it's your own business is what I truly try to instill in my employees. Awesome. That's great. So you have a four-day work week. And how have you have you found that? Because you hear there more and more of that conversation is coming up right around the four-day work week. I think North America seems to be uh, one of the uh, more kind of 60-hour, everything's based on how many hours you put in, bragging about working 60, 70-hour work weeks. What about from your pro- productivity side? Did you see any sort of decline in that when you went to a four-day work week? What? How has that experience been? So... My, uh, my my personal journey has been a little bit rocky in the last week or week year because I actually had limited childcare. So I've felt a little bit like I only had two days a week daycare for my two year old until very recently. Um, so I have been working kind of intermittently here and there to piece together a four day work week. But I've just more recently set steadied into a four-day week week work week when they when she's actually in daycare and I think it's going really well I mean I as a as a not new mom anymore but I'm still you know when I just kind of coming out of the fog as I speak I I find myself ruthlessly efficient um with the days that I do have in front of the computer I also and I know I acknowledge that I have the benefit of doing this as I am my own boss or entrepreneur Um, And I do encourage my employees to do this as well. I have calendar blocking. So I'm not available for calls every one of those four days. Um, Some weeks I'm only available for two of the days for calls and some three. Um, Moving towards two, hopefully. Um, But sometimes that's difficult. Um, And that has allowed me to just be more efficient on the days. If I don't have any calls, I can actually get to my action items. Um, and I think that you are starting to see a little bit of that. Um, Indeed has implemented um, uh, sort of days off throughout the summer. Every Friday is like an Indeed day off. And I do believe they also have um, days that meetings in the afternoons mm-hmm. are not allowed. You know, organizations are starting to do a little bit of calendar blocking from a corporate perspective. And I think that would be, you know, if, how great it would it be if we moved to a model where meetings were only allowed, you know, Monday through Wednesday, and you got Thursday to actually do the work. So I, I think that's something that I have implemented and has been uh, successful in, in making sure that we get through all the tasks in four days. Fantastic. That's awesome. Um, so now we're kind of at the last question of our formal uh, kind of podcast. And it's the question that we ask every single person because uh, we um, – well, I like it, and I like the answers because there's themes, and some are different, some are the same. But I just, uh, I really love hearing uh, people's answers to this. And the question is, if you could go back to when you first started your career and have a conversation with yourself, what kind of advice would you give? Yes. So, one of my this is kind of for from an entrepreneur perspective is. Uh, work for someone else before you work for yourself, and more. More importantly, work for another, if you want to be a small business, work for another small business owner before you become a small business owner yourself. Um, I think that there's a lot of dreaminess around being coming an entrepreneur, um, but it's not for everybody. And I think it's also important to understand the operations from a successful entrepreneur's perspective. And I, I, I worked for a couple of entrepreneurs before I started my business. 
And it was fundamental in setting myself up for success. Excellent. Okay, well, that, uh, that concludes the kind of formal portion. But now we have what we call the fast three. It's a way for our listeners to get um, a little bit of inspiration from what you currently are getting inspiration in. So I'm going to ask you three questions and just uh, looking forward to your answers. Um, the first is, what is your favorite podcast or source of information? I have just started listening to a new podcast called Think About This with Alexis Dean. Um, she is a founder of an entrepreneurial community, and this podcast is basically a fly on the wall for two entrepreneurs having a really engaging conversation about a number of topics um, in entrepreneurship. So huh. that's my favorite podcast right now. Awesome. And uh, what are you currently reading? I am currently reading uh, a book a book from Elizabeth Cronies McLaughlin. She's been a W North keynote speaker at a couple of our conferences. And it's called Becoming Heroines, Unleashing Our Power for Revolution and Rebirth. It is an amazing book. Fantastic. And our last question is, who is currently inspiring you? I would say Melinda Gates. Um, I had the opportunity to meet her very briefly at the Women Deliver conference in Vancouver in 2019. And uh, I'm just really inspired by the work she's doing and the dedication to women and girls around the world. Um, and I draw a lot of inspiration from what, uh, what she's doing. And I do hope that I can get her to speak at uh, W North event sometime in the future. That would be incredible. Well, Heather, I just want to say thank you for taking this last half hour with me. It's uh, It's been really fun. It's been really great to hear the insights from you. And uh, just thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Bonnie. I appreciate it. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. Brian Long is the producer. Web design and technical assistance provided by Dan Moak and music courtesy of the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk.